Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Happy Friday, happy Christmas Eve. Thank you for joining me and thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This is part two of the conversation with Danny the Godfather. Hope you enjoyed part one. We are continuing the conversation. Enjoy and we'll be back on Christmas Day. Happy Christmas, everyone. Wendell and you've segwayed me there. It's perfect time. How did you like that Wendell deal? I mean, another raise when we're talking about raise deals. Let's get into Joey Wendell. What was your take on that one? Yeah, so that's when I decided to come back to, uh, to Twitter, Pete. That was my <laughs> first tweet in a few months because, you know, your usual suspects love them to death, whatever. That's their vibe is to be negative. Are out here tweeting like if they have been projecting Cameron Meisner in center field for the 2023 World Series Marlins and, and mm-hmm. like not a single one right? Anyone who's complaining about that deal, you have never put out a tweet saying Meisner, Misner is going to be the starting center fielder for the World Series Marlins. That, that just hasn't happened, right? Mm-hmm. So when we get upset that we're bringing in an all-star, whether he's a utility, I get the vibe that I think they want him to play a little bit more than just a utility guy. Um, yeah, for Meisner, I don't have a huge problem with that. Do I love Cam myself as, as someone who's gone through the prospect phase of this from the beginning? Absolutely. I think he's dangerous with the Rays, Pete. I think that the Rays are going to figure out how to get him to be able to stay within the zone. I think they're going to be able to get his bat-to-ball numbers up, and I think that he's going to be solid. But I really roll my eyes hardcore at the fans that threw a tissy fit over that because what you got was an all-star who's a utility guy who allows you to have that flexibility to put Anderson in the outfield at a very high rate for someone that no one included in their projected lineups ever. Right. So I like the deal. I think it's a good win now deal. Hmm. And if that's what we've been asking for, then yeah, good. Good for them for going and taking a chance. Uh, it's just dawned on me as well. Was this, thinking back to the, the Jesus Sanchez trade, uh, was that, was it the same deadline after we spoke when it was the shockometer? Is that the same when Jazz Gallon? was done or was that something different? Am I getting years confused? I could be. So I know Lewin, I know Lewin Diaz and Jazz were out were at the same deadline. Same I'm one. Not, I'm not sure if, if Jesus was as well, but it's feasible that it would have been. Um and either way, I just I liked all of those really if you think back yeah. on it. If you think about the Jazz, if you think about the Lewin, you think about the Jesus deals, I don't think you find a loser in that deal. Uh, if anything I'm not even sure you find a neutral in that deal aside from Nick Anderson and his two Sanchez when Nick was, was healthy. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's the exact same timeline, but either way, hell of, hell of a good, nice little trio of deals there for minor league bats at that time. It, it just reminds because that deadline reminds me that the jazz deal for Gallon reminds me of you being on your honeymoon, which yes. is kind of weird for me to say that it reminds <laughs> yes. me of you being on honeymoon, but that's what it reminds me of you with no Wi-Fi trying to work out what the hell the Marlins doing. They're making deals everywhere. And Jazz Chisholm, Zach Gallon yeah. drops. <laughs> yeah, man. It's I, the guys, the, the security guards knew that I was a Marlins fan. And we, we would talk about it every once in a while there at the hotel. 
and they would actually knock on the door and tell me that something just went through, which was crazy. I mean, just absolutely crazy. That that's how deep I suppose this this love goes. And for what it's worth, totally supportive wife, right? No problems with that whatsoever. There you go. Um, but but yes, I'm happy, Pete, that you think of my honeymoon whenever you think of Jess. I really do. It's the wild thing, and it also shows the power that the Godfather has. Like he's got he's got his own personal staff coming to give him Marlon's <laughs> news in his in his hotel suite. That is. That is next level for sure. Most of us are just relying on Twitter and, and a Wi-Fi, but not the Godfather. So <laughs> um, another deal that we have we have to touch on, I know you mentioned him already, but Stalin's clearly Craig Mish liked him. You liked him before that. You know, how big is, is it for the Marlins to have solidified the catching spot? And I mean, not just about the hitting side, but just defensively having a reliable and more than reliable guy back there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absurdly important. They, they can probably, and, and this will get some eye rolls, but again, I'm just, I have a crush on this guy. I really do. Right? <laughs> they, could, they could bring in a really big game changer. I still think that this one has more dividends immediately. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'll explain why, right? It's not all about offense in baseball. Right? I, I sent out this tweet uh, a bit ago. Defensive run saved, right? A metric to understand the value of a defensive player and, and exactly as it sounds, right? Their, their run input on defense. The Marlins had something like minus 20-something since, since Jacob Stallings has been a starter. And Jacob Stallings has had plus 42. That is a, 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 a wow. net change of 60 runs that the Marlins have given up or have lost during that time that is now all of a sudden thrown into your pitching staff. That's thrown into your games. It's not just about scoring runs. It's about preventing runs. That's the video of baseball. And now you have that, right? You have 100% with full conviction an elite defensive catcher. And what I would say on a conservative, definitely top half catcher and like top 15 half, you know, uh, of sports of teams um, catcher. And then, if you want to get a little crazy with it, I still think he's a top 10, maybe even top seven catcher overall, because if you look at his offensive metrics, he's right about league average, but he's right about league average for all hitters. If you just take that apart and say, what is he doing for catchers? He's above average, yeah. not by much, but he's above average offensively. You know, so now you have a catcher who plays his position at an elite top 1% level defensively, and then he hits at least average for his position. That is very different than what the Marlins have had since they let go of JT Romuto. So I love it. I think it's going to be the most meaningful deal that they make this year, even if they do a blockbuster when this lockout uh, eventually comes to a, an ending. Hopefully, and hopefully it does. <laughs> um, Correct. There's a couple of names I want to throw at you that I, I'm just really intrigued to get your view of where your head's at with these guys that they have a future with the Marlins they not really and there's a few, there's a few because we're talking about outfield options and let, you know let's start with Monte Harrison there is Monte done with the Marlins in your opinion the fact that we didn't see him at all I don't think well maybe very early on oh yeah he, he must have been up because there was a, a scuffle with Marte but you know we saw him in a real like early early stage of the year the Marlins then had no outfielders no one was healthy but but Monte Harrison wasn't to be seen is Monte done? I would say look at the behaviors of the organization and make an assessment. And, and I think that that answer then leads to yes, right? I, and, that, and that sucks for me. I like Monte a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I know him 
to a certain extent, I've been able to communicate with him personally a few times. And I've interviewed him a few times where back when I was with Fish Stripes and mm-hmm. um, just a, a seemingly really good guy, which, which puts even into question whatever happened in the clubhouse. Um, but I, I'll be honest, right? That's all I can do is assess the behaviors of the organization and then make an, make an assessment because there are things that, that I, I, I can tell you, Pete, I just know, right? From, from very important people. Then there are things that I can make a really educated guess on as just a human being. Mm-hmm. And then there are things I know nothing about. And Monte Harrison in this situation falls into the nothing about. I, I really don't know what they think about that scuffle. I don't know what uh, you know the, the plans are. I have no even idea of what it would be. But the behaviors tell me that if you're putting out guys that you, know, you have to make room for on the 40 and are not gonna be worth any dividends and you have Monte there healthy and he's not being called up, that seems like the writing on the wall per se. It's time, US ads with a British twist and it is my guys over at Built Bar. It is the holiday season guys and it is time to grab that protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, a Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich, with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Don't worry about choosing, get them all. Will it be raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Head over to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's all one word, LOCKED15, LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, let's talk about Isan Diaz then, someone that did actually get more of a sustained run, showed, I mean, to be fair, at second base, there was some question marks in in my head anyway going into this season. Then he ended up at third base for a good period because obviously Brian Anderson was down. There was no depth, going back to what you said. No depth. Next thing is Isan's at third base. He was actually pretty useful at third base, I must say. But mm-hmm. offensively, it was it was not good from Isan. I mean, think back all the way to spring when you know I was listening to the spring training games. Glenn Geffner was on the mic, all the guys, you know, from Marlins Radio doing those games, and everyone was really seeing it as listen, this is Isan's gonna be starting at second base, and you know, Jazz will push him, you know, but he, you know, he won't end up taking the job. And it was such a terrible spring for Isan. He never recovered through the season. It's a real Isan for me, it's a real head scratcher. I'm I'm just I don't know what's gone on, um, but something with him. Something I mean, mentally, I don't know. Something's not clicked. But how? <laughs> what's your assessment of Isan? Does he also still have a future with the Marlins, or is that also tenuous, like Monte? I mean, I would think that he has a much better chance, but I'm not sure that it's actually significant enough for the answer to be yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, very similar to Monte, someone I get to I've spoken to personally. I, I had to I, I had to sit on the news that he was going to get called up alongside Lewis Brinson when they both called got called up that day in 2020. Um, it, it hurts like he I really wanted to succeed just mm-hmm. a, from a from a selfish level and, and it's feasible that he still might I'm just not sure that if the Marlins again we're looking at the behaviors if they're adding guys like Wendell if they're trying to win now I'm not sure that there's room there plus there will be guys like Jose Devers that eventually will take a spot and he adds value immediately I don't think that I don't think that it's written on the wall quite yet I don't think it's finalized that's a better way to say that 
but I do think that unfortunately it's trending for Sandias to be a part of another organization with, with another manager and another front office and get his own fresh start very similarly to the way that that unfortunately had to happen with Lewis Brinson. Well, you, you took the name right out of my mouth there. Lewis Brinson, DFA'd, uh, elected free agency, no longer Marlin, was effectively what the, the face of the rebuild for want of a better mm-hmm. description, um, rightly or wrongly, but but has been the face, the name of the rebuild. And it's got to a point where decision had to be made. Surprised on this one, or was this, you know, coming in a sense, um, based on the lack of options that remain on, on Brint's? Yeah, not, not surprised. Not surprised even a little bit. Um, same with Sierra, for what it's worth, right? Yep. I think that, again, the Marlins would never publicly say it. And, and, and I will once again say this, I promise you, they want to win. I promise you, this is not like before. I promise you, they're not happy, right? But I also add the concept of my outlook is we got okay with punting 2020 because, or yeah, 2021, because we were realistic about what was happening. We were realistic. We weren't going to be winning. We had to, we had to move out of this 40 man crunch. We're going to write out this guys to the end of the year. And then we're resetting. And that's what you've seen, right? I mean, aside from Isan, it's a it's a reset. It's a reset with Sierra, with Brinson, with Alfaro. It's a reset with all of these guys that we wanted to succeed in the rebuild and that were part of it. And, and for what it's worth, that deal in itself, of course, is this hallmark of, oh, the Marlins rebuild failed. And it's like, well, I mean, sure, that one did. It failed really really badly yeah. all the other ones really didn't ozuna's deal is for sure a marlins win stan's yeah. deal is what allows you to go get abisel garcia and what allows you to go get you know uh, uh trades for arbitration eligible players and what allows you to go hopefully get another uh salary booster right so those other deals were fantastic but man that yellow deal will forever be the next mickey cabrera deal yeah it will. If uh, and like you said, it, it was a bad loss, but you you piece them together those trades, and overall the Marlins have, have come out on the positive end, in my opinion. Um, yes, they obviously that one there was a bad beat, um, but the the guys they took when you kind of look at them, you know, real tool, toolsy dudes. Like I said, Brintz, I've, I've said multiple times, Brintz was you know a top fifty prospect in baseball at that moment, mm-hmm. um, maybe even you know top thirty. I, I can't recall the specific number, but Absolutely. He was like 12. He, he that's, was, he was that's what 12. I mean. You know, he was one of the yeah. high, most highly touted prospects. So like, the, the deal at the time were, made a lot of sense. The other two were top 100. Monte Harrison at the time of that deal was top 100. Isan Diaz was top 100. You got Christian Yelich who wanted to be out. He was going to be traded regardless of whether he wanted to be out or not. That narrative that he gobbled himself out, he was going to be out. But yeah. you still got three top 100 prospects. And, and, and for the most part, consensus outside of Monte Harrison. So it's, yeah. it's a deal that didn't develop the way you wanted it to, but at the time of executing that deal made, made a lot of sense. Yep. There's, I don't want to dwell too much on, on last year, but one deal that has, has not made any sense for me um, at all since, uh, since it was, it was dropped was this Duval deal for Adam Alex Duval. Jackson. <laughs> what? <laughs> Another bomb. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. Just, just, just summarize for me what, what your feeling is on that deal, the Duval-Alex Jackson one at the deadline. So, so no one's going to do this, but if you go back, the moment that I saw, the moment that I knew what was happening, um, and someone sent out, oh, Adam Duval has been traded, I tweeted out immediately, you're not going to be happy with what's about to happen. Because at that time, and, and listen, I don't, 
I really don't think that the front office staff did not know that he had another year where they could have brought him back. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Okay. I think that when you're no chances that. you know, they, they're going to know that. I just think that Duvall wasn't someone that was going to stick around the same exact way that Corey Dickerson wasn't going to stick around. Um, and whether that is because of the player, I, I'm not sure. Or if it's because of the front staff or the front office, rather, I'm not sure. So I won't speak on that, but yeah, it was a deal where you weren't going to get much for him. They took a lottery ticket. Again, I scuffle at the people that are like, oh, they really think Alex Jackson is the answer. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. And, and I said that when the trade happened. And then now we obviously see that with Jacob Stallings, uh, you know, acquisition. They never thought he was going to be the guy. But if you have a guy with plus plus power, even if he can't hit a beach ball, give it a shot. Adam Duvall was going to be gone anyway. Still don't love it. He kicked ass in the playoffs and went on and won a World Series. Looks awful. But Adam Duvall wasn't going to be a Marlin in 2022. And they got a lottery ticket for him. There you go. And that's the, I, I think that is the the best assessment that I don't, I, you know, they, they didn't miss it. They didn't miss the fact the <laughs> was still arbitration eligible. I missed it because you were so blinded with the, the, the mutual option thing that was in, in the contract. I didn't even think to look outside of that possibility. I was kind of, you know, it was one of two outcomes. You Um, and everybody else. Exactly. Everyone else missed it too. This is the thing. It, It wasn't talked about at all on Twitter. And then once he then got to the Braves, then I started, you know, cause I have a lot of Braves Twitter on, on the timeline too, naturally. And then it started feeding through about Duvall and the contract. And I was like, holy moly, he's got one year of ARB still, even if he opts out. So, but like you said, the Marlins didn't miss it. They just weren't bringing Duvall back in 22, irrespective of, of the control. So it was like, you know, move him now at the deadline. It was the only deal they could make, I guess. Maybe the Braves, you know, the Braves were, were aggressive at the deadline, looking to rebuild their outfield in, in the space of, what, 15 minutes or whatever, whatever it was for the Braves and end up working. So... Yeah, it was, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, but like you said, Alex Jackson was never going to be the answer. The Marlins knew it. They were already they were already working on stallings um, as it was. So, yeah, interesting Thanks. one. Interesting one for sure, though. Um, one that caught me off guard. That was the thing about it was it, the, the arbitration thing caught me off guard. And I thought I, thought I had the, the deal sized up. I was like, you know, expiring deal. You got, he's, he's not going to opt in. You know, you got to make the move. Then the ARP thing dropped. I was like, oh, okay. That kind of changes the dynamic slightly. But all right, guys, let's finish strong. Last ad of the week, US ads with a British twist. And it is the perfect one. As you head into the weekend, tons of sporting action to get into. Bet Online AG. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs. Fins up! Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON, all one word LOCKED ON, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. For the 2021 season, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
it was what it was. One other guy, Danny, that we really need to speak about, and I'm really intrigued to get your take on this guy in particular, because this this could go a few different ways. But Sixto Sanchez, let's look, you know, look back to 2020, absolutely burst onto the scene, um, started a playoff game for the Marlins, 2021, didn't pitch an inning in the major leagues at all. Um, where, where are we up to a Sixto, in your opinion, with the Marlins right now? Well, I, I've kind of given you the theme that my opinion is that the Marlins punted for a year. Well, maybe the opinion is that Sixto did to a certain extent without knowing, right? And, and mm-hmm. I would hope that both of those situations are resolved. I think that we've seen that on the Marlins end. They've been aggressive. They've added salary. They're going to continue to compete. You know, it's, it's going to happen. And I hope that we're seeing it, you know, propaganda video and all. I hope we're seeing it on Sixto's side too, right? I, I, I would hope so because this guy, this guy really is still, and, and I'm really, I'm going to stick with this. If he's healthy, the closest thing you're going to see to a Pedro Martinez kind of pitcher. And, and, and the thing here is like, it's a huge if, right? Like, yeah, if the Marlins hadn't set historical days on the, on the injured list, last year if that had happened maybe they'd be a playoff team but that's like a game of 25 games that have to be different well six mm-hmm. sanchez has to be healthy if he is though the sky's the limit with him that hasn't changed for me um yeah. i would even put him ahead of again guys in my opinion like max meyer um and individuals like that so i still think he has the highest ceiling i don't pretend to know what his work ethic is right i'm never going to do that to another human being i'm not going to pretend to know if he actually cares about baseball that's not my job. And that's not my job as a fan either. My hope is that the front office understands. My hope is that him and his agent understand that you have a potential multiple all-star possible as high as, you know, hall of fame player there. That's the kind of talent. If you do something about it. And if, you know, he pitches more than 60 feet um, or throws more than 60 feet this next year. <laughs> that, that will forever be one of the, <clears throat> the main storylines of 2021 was and will be synonymous with Sixto Sanchez for the rest of his career, perhaps, of this Marlins, you know, comms updates of Sixto Sanchez at 50 feet. Still at 50 feet, 60 feet. It was <laughs> it was comical. But you know, the propaganda video to me, you know, just speaking about going back to what you're saying about, you know, what what are the, what's the organization telling us? What are they telling us with Monte Harrison, particularly, you know. Isan less so, but Monte, I think, is a is a clear one. And what are they telling us about Sixto right now? I think they're telling us that he's still part of this this organization. That's how I see it. Irrespective of, yeah, there's there's rumors of work ethic and clearly the kind of shoulder issue last year. It wasn't managed well by the Marlins, I think, in the main. I think they probably wanted him back. Then they realized the season was going tits up and went, you know what? Let's just let's just get out of this and roll with it but i do the vibe i get is they want they want six though they you know like you said the talent's there we saw it in 2020 burst on the scene you know everyone that you know major league baseball wide was talking about six though and pedro martinez like it was the clear comp everyone was all in on six though he's got hurt it hasn't worked out in 21 that happens for pitchers the marlins maybe mismanaged it but the reality is if he's back in 22 Boy, oh boy, just add another another elite arm. You know. he, he was he was absolutely dominant, right? This isn't this isn't an Eddie Cabrera situation where you see all of the talent, but the production wasn't there. Yeah. Sixto Sanchez was dominant, period, from the moment that he stepped on the mound. And yeah. and in the playoffs, even more so. 
Right. So, so that is, that is absolutely what you can see there. And, you know, if there's one message that I think I'm just very different on, and I think this is where Homerism comes against, like, oh, I'm just a really outstanding fan who can see both sides. No, like, where is the patience gone? All right. So, so, and I want to use Sixto and Brian Anderson with this. Are we really flipping Brian Anderson? Like, like he has been 10 to 25% above average offensively. If mm-hmm. we're using win, uh, runs created plus weighted runs created plus every single year. And then last year when he's hurt and everyone says he's awful, uh, guess what? He was like 1% below average. So he was average, right? That is a perfectly fine, um, competent bat to have that we are just flipping because we got impatient with him last year. And I think the same thing could happen with six though. I hope that the front office doesn't necessarily feel that way unless obviously they can fill that void. Um, and then really to surmise what you just, again, brought up with, that propaganda video, whether we like it or not, what does it say? And I tell people all the time, behavior, status, and intent. What is your status? Well, he's a player and the Marlins are an organization. What is their intent? Well, we don't know. They could tell us whatever they want, but how do you assess someone's intent? You assess it by if their behaviors match their status. And if you're not playing Monte Harrison, that behavior says that's unlikely to happen. Mm-hmm. If you are lower on Isan Diaz, that behavior says it's not likely happening. If you're freaking producing a propaganda video for Sixto Sanchez, that behavior says we are hell bent on making this happen. Yeah. Now that's how you assess someone's status and someone's intent. So I, I, I think, I think he's going to be part of this rotation. I think he's going to be a hell of a ball player for the Marlins for many years to come. Love it. it it's wild to think that <laughs> the, the four, I mean, I'll, we'll work on the fifth, but the four, if healthy, and you know, listen, that's always, you have to always throw that if in, doesn't matter who you are. Sandy, Trevor, Pablo, Sixto. Those four. There's four Cy Young candidates there in a row for the Marlins. No hyperbole, no rubbish. If they're Absolutely. healthy, those four, that is the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and if, if one gets hurt, you have Eddie Cabrera or you have Max Meyer or you have a myriad of pitchers that are on the precipice or on the door knocking, waiting to get in. And, oh, that guy that we don't talk about, Eliezer Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And, oh, X, Y, and Z, right? There's so much talent there that that's not a concern, which, which is why I think we do have urgency to get that bat and why I do think that we have urgency to compete because this is like having Dan Marino and not giving him an offensive line, which, you know, happened. And like, that's, that's what this is. This is having a controllable QB who you don't have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to, and then just not giving him any assets to be able to compete. You can't do that. You can't do that in football and you can't do that with the pitching staff. That's all under a a good amount of financial flexibility um, for too many years. And you just can't. So I know that they're wanting to compete in a tough NL East. My hope is that they finish up that off season strongly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you gotta, you have to feel sorry for Sandy Alcantara last year, right? I mean, there was just <laughs> so yep. many amazing performances and so many times the, the offense just went stone cold for him. You had to feel for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I'm sure he feels much better now with that contract. Oh, I'm, rightfully I'm, so. I'm so happy for him. I really am. I'm like over the moon happy for this guy. And the fact and I'm happy as a fan selfishly, right? I, I, I don't want to get somber at the end, but mm. he's the closest thing I've had to Jose Fernandez since mm. Jose's death. And, and, you know, we never got that contract with him because of everything that happened. And we may have not even had it, even if, you know, that tragedy with him and his friends didn't occur. 
but we do have that withstanding. We have a really good man. He's a really good person. You know, I'm sure you've communicated with him. You see that. Um, and then a hell of a pitcher. Yeah, no doubt about it. As a fan, Danny, who right now is, who would you say is your favorite Marlin? Who do you, who gets you most excited when they're either hitting, pitching or doing something else, I guess? Oh, I mean, it really is Miguel Rojas. I know that that's super boring. I really do. I get it. I get that he's, you know, not, not necessarily the most um, highlight or the first person you think of on field, although he should be, he's a, he's a hell of a ball player, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I believe in his character. And I believe that when he says that he wants to be in Miami, that he wants to be in Miami. And now again, right. It's not just what he says. It's his behaviors, two extensions now. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and just playing every single day. Like if he is on the Yankees or the Dodgers, because he wants to make the Marlins, the Yankees or the Dodgers. And, yeah. and I love that. I love that kind of mentality. And again, I, I'm, I'm just a human. I'm a, I'm a, I live a human experience. So he's a good guy that gets in my feelings. I'm happy that we have him. And it, it always excites me to, to see the captain, you know, dressed up and ready to play. Yeah, for sure. How are you? <clears throat> a couple of other ones before I let you get out of here. How are you seeing this first base conundrum playing out? I mean, do you think they've obviously got Aggie back, um, final year for Ag. Cooper Loop is hitting off a tee. He's, you know, he's back. He's going to be back, let's say. We assume the DH will be there as part of 22. Um, and obviously, Lewin's knocking around. So how do you see the Marlins kind of shuffling those around? I guess, you know, if, if there's the odd man out, maybe Lewin just goes down to A. But how do you see it going? Yeah, so ideally, ideally, I want Cooper's bat in the lineup almost every day. Yeah. And um, I think, and I think most people would agree, the, the whole playing defensive outfield that's out the window right like that's not going to happen we're done with that whether it's because of the injuries which doesn't have to be necessarily a one-to-one ratio of why he gets injured is because he's playing but kind of you know so I think we need him there which means DH I do think it's feasible I really do and I hate having three big defensive limited although Lewin Diaz is definitively not limited defensively mm. um, but just two big first base only options um, I hate having all three of them up but I don't think it's entirely impossible. I, I really do think if you add the DH, you can make this occur because Lewin Diaz just is, again, elite defensively in first base. Aguiar is this power construct of consistency, and Cooper needs to be in the lineup. So if I, if I was a betting man, let's say they don't move anybody. Let's say that they actually do hold on to Jesus, which is the question, like, is, does Aguiar actually make it to opening day with us, or does something get done there? I would say DH Cooper first base Aggie and then Lewin for the first few months in triple A or you have some rotation, which again, I'm still iffy about because I want to have Lewin having everyday experience. So I I think it's a bit of conundrum, but if we're choosing probably having Garrett at DH, um, Lewin in triple A for a bit, Aggie in first base, unless Aggie gets moved prior and then that kind of solves itself. Yeah. I think that, <clears throat> that's the most, there's kind of two ways I see it going. Well, three ways, all three just up and they'll just mix a match and they'll make it work. Um, Aggie's moved, which makes sense is, you know, he's, he's a, effectively on a expiring deal. So he's the most obvious move candidate um, or Lewin's just down in, in triple a and is there ready. And looking back to last year, again, one of the things, no depth. Lewin is absolutely depth. I, I love what I see from him. What did you see from him in, in 2021? Uh, when he he kind of got a little bit of a run. Absolutely. You always knew he's going to handle himself defensively. It's just about him staying within his swing, staying within the, the box and being able to use that depth 
that control that he has in his core to launch. And I think we saw more of that, right? He got a little bit of a flavor before, didn't really see it, matured, not to the level of Jesus Sanchez, right? That's very different. Jesus Sanchez came back up and when he got his second chance, he destroyed the ball. But I think you see that power potential and really that gap potential with Lewin Diaz the second time around. First base, defensively, right? There will come a time where he's there first base and you have Stallings and catcher. And I understand that we don't think of first base as this necessary need for defense, but that's two top five, and that's being conservative, defensive players on your right side of your infield with Jazz, who hopefully matures defensively, whether it's that second or short, with Miggy, if he's still there and playing consistently, who's a you know, gold glove caliber shortstop, with Anderson or Wendell, who's also gold glove caliber. I mean, you have a hell of an infield when yeah. Leigh Lay one eventually gets there defensively. Really do. We really do. That's it's so true that the the infield, including the catcher, obviously with Lewin there at first base, is is it's elite. It it really is. And you know, stack it up against anyone with then an elite pitching staff to go with it. You know, it's it's enjoyable as a Marlins fan for sure to to you know think about that and see. Yeah, and Pete, they they will need it if they run out Avisel Garcia at center field because you're going to need all the defense in the world in the infield to be able to overcome whatever is happening outside with Jesus who, Jesus, who, you know, didn't exactly hold his end in right field either, or left field in the corner spot. And if you run Avicel out there in this spacious, lone depot park, cool. you're going to need defense everywhere else. You know? and, and again, you have pitchers who pitch to soft contact. You have pitchers who can make this work. But yeah, you're going to get all the defense you get up close if you're going to run out a less than stellar outfield. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, but I do think they go and address it with a legitimate center fielder. Like I'm with you. For me, the most obvious answer, and you called it off the top and I've podcasted about it already. Just go and get Mullins. Just go and make Mullins work. I mean, it's, it's fits. It fits for the Orioles. It fits for the Marlins. They need some arms. We need Mullins. They're not contending right now. It just makes too much sense. I think I think it's just the most obvious fit. I think they get it done. I, I truly do. So we'll wait and see on that one. Another name. Listen, I'm just, <laughs> just going to throw this one at you. Um, talking about the NL East. Juan Soto to the Marlins. Juan Soto to the Marlins. <laughs> You know, it may not be the deadline. Let's say it's maybe. I love you. You are, you're so consistent with this. I love it. I love it. Go, go, please. Go ahead. <laughs> one to 10, 10 being it's nailed on, one being it's never happening. Come on. One Soto to the Marlins in the next, let's call it 12 to 18 months. Give Pete, it to me. I, I need this to be a 10 for you. I really do. <laughs> I need this to be a 10 for you because let me tell you something, man. If it's a 10, if, if this happens, I will personally go visit you wherever you are. I don't care how old or young Charles is. You and I will go and crack open something. I'll bring myself some cigars down here from Miami. I mean, I'm Cuban, so that's what I'll, that's what I'll gift you. If it happens, I'm going to be so utterly happy for you. It, it might even supersede the happiness as a Marlins fan that I get to see Juan Soto play. Um, but goodness gracious. So I'm, 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 I'm a 10 because I support you. And if you believe in something, I believe in something. <laughs> love it i'm it, it it is funny now that anything linked to Juan soto news yep. you know at miami marlins underscore uk bang straight in you know <laughs> the eyeballs are everywhere so it's like i get a daily feed now of tags and tweets about Juan soto because people want me to know hey what's happening Juan soto so yeah uh, it would be stunning 
if that ended up happening. It, it was half joking, but as I've thought about it more, I've been, I, I think the Nats could do a deal, whether it's the Marlins. Is, <laughs> and, and, and listen, let me, let me tell you, I know we're running over on time, but you know, and I'll be here as long as you want me to, but, but that's actually something that's changed too, right? Um, players don't mind, right? Let me be conservative with my words. Players don't mind actually being here. Like players actually believe in this staff and in the talents. And, and again, this isn't hyperbole. This isn't me trying to say that I know shit. Like, no, I do. I know players down here in South Florida. This is part of my circle, um, even in my professional life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are certain corner outfielders with a pretty big budget that want to be here. Now, it probably doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense financially. Doesn't make sense for how many years the players want. But there are players that want to be here. And, and that's not to say Soto would ever want to be here, but maybe he would. Whereas in other years, you'd have to pay Joe Buck or not Joe Buck, whatever the catcher was that we had in 2012, you know, millions and millions above where they should be just to be here yeah. because they didn't want to play. They don't want to play here. You know, so yeah. that's something that shifted. So joking aside or not joking aside, trade him or go give him a, you know, a landmark, never going to happen contract offer. Players want to be here. And that's a shift as well. I'm with you. Good way to good way to broadly end the Marlins chatter. I've got one final topic for you, for you before I let you go, and it's just the CBA discussions. It is the most topical thing right now. We're in a lockout. Um, how concerned are you for the welfare of the 2022 season based on what where we're up to right now, which is you know Thursday, 23rd of December, and the lockout? I'm concerned that it won't be as quickly as most analysts are pretending it will be. You know, I, I think most people are saying, ah, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine around January. They'll pick it back up. February, we're done. Um, I, I'm just concerned it won't be. I'm concerned, and, and this is um, really all politics aside, I think there's a lot of political, social stuff where it's not just about baseball. And that's not a surprise to anyone, but it might be a surprise to some people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to impact this. So it's a two-pronged answer. I'm concerned more so than that the deadline or the timeline, the positive optimistic timeline that analysts are staying and throwing out there won't be met. And then people will start to panic. But, but Pete, I'm not concerned that we're not going to have baseball in 2022. I'm, I'm actually not even to the point where I'm concerned that opening day won't be on opening day. I, I'm concerned spring training might be impacted mm-hmm. and what that might do to the players. Um, but I'd be surprised if on opening day, we're not there at Lone Depot Park, very sadly applauding the championship Braves. I was about to say um, the Braves are in that, town, aren't they? You'll be right. there too as well, right? You're normally there for opening yes. day. Yes, yes, yes. I, I love the fact that when I first looked at the schedule, I was like, all right, well, the Braves, you know, we can compete against them, but they might kick our ass, but at least we got the Rangers. And then the Rangers go and spend like $600 million <laughs> on talent. So, you know, we might have a tough opening week, but but it, it, it's, it should happen on time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, hope, let's hope they make it happen. Um, it's not good for anyone, clearly, the but you're right. There's, there's a, there's some undercurrents or some themes knocking around associated to this that aren't just purely like kind of baseball financial, if that makes sense. Like there's there's other themes that are at play, and you know, some of them are thorny issues for, I guess some, some more elderly white dudes <laughs> that own yes. some of these clubs. Yes, I mean so. I, I, honestly, Pete, I think if it was just the on-field stuff, it, it would be done. I think we're going to have yeah. extended playoffs. I think we're going to have the DH, I think they're going to do away with the extra inning rule. I, I, I really believe that a lot of the on-field stuff is already laid out or, or yeah. understood across both parties. And 
the vibe is that it really is other stuff, but is that really a surprise, right? You're in the UK, I'm, I'm in the US, everything has multiple layers to it. And sometimes that's very good. Sometimes that could get very sticky. Sometimes that could be very shallow. And then, and we'll see what happens here. But again, opening day, I think will still be opening day. Love it. Love it. Well, that is us out of time, more than out of time, but it was absolutely worth it. The Godfather dropping by stunning conversation. We have covered, I think we've covered everyone. I think everyone on the 40 man's been mentioned. So that's, that's a sign of a good conversation. Um, I appreciate you finding the time, Danny, for joining me on, on Locked on Marlins. Have you actually, have you been on Locked on Marlins before with Aram? No, I have not. I, oh. I, I took up the fish bites. I took up fish stripes after Aram left to do Locked on Marlins. Um, but this is this is a first locked on episode. So there you go. It, it's again an honor to do it with you. And before I go, I really do want to congratulate you again, man. You, you really deserve this. You deserve all the success. And I, I really did smile from ear to ear when I knew that you were the guy that was chosen to do this with with all of my heart. I'm very happy for you. I appreciate it, Danny. That is kind words from from your good self, the Godfather, no doubt. So, um, but listen, we we better say happy holidays, happy Christmas. I uh, hope you enjoy the festive season. Actually, one final question. Yeah. What, what does Christmas Day, what is Christmas Day in, in South Florida? What does that actually kind of look and feel like? Because I'm not sure. I like It's very traditional in the UK, Turkey and, you know, whatever. But what's a South Florida Christmas Day look like? It's It definitely involves more palm trees and a little higher temperature. That, <laughs> that, that for sure. And, 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 you know, some ham, right? Some ham and some good okay. family. And, and really the answer, right, is, being Cuban-American, it's really what happens the night before Christmas, because that's what we call Noche Buena. And that's that's when we have, you know, all of our festivities and all of our food and, and, and just look up some of the food that we do so that you can get a, a flavor of that. And then when Juan Soto signs with the Marlins, I'll invite you over for Noche Buena and then we'll take like a red eye over to where you're at for Christmas and we could kill two birds with one stone. Absolutely love it. Perfect. Well, that sounds that sounds wild. Um, it is very traditional in the UK at Christmas time. It is very much kind of, it's kind of more like your Thanksgiving is is kind of how I describe Understood. it to the US listeners, of which the majority are US listeners. So, well, I, I wish in you, the family, um, the best of Christmases and holiday season and uh, to the listeners too. Happy Christmas, everyone. I hope, I hope, <laughs> I wonder if anyone gets a Jose Arrhenia jersey like I did a few years ago, which uh, was a, a slight misstep from my, my good wife, Tara. Um, you know, fair, fair play to her. She she went and got me a jersey and said, "Oh yeah, I've got this." Uh, the player on the back, Urena. She said, "I went, oh yeah." She said, "Yeah, I've heard you talking about him so often. You know, I thought he must be a good player." Of course, <laughs> he was then non-tendered, I believe. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Hope everyone gets everything they've wished for. Uh, but that is that is me and the Godfather signing off for today with Locked On Marlins. We'll be back very, very soon, straight after Christmas. Stay tuned. More guests coming your way, of course. But for now, happy holidays and happy Christmas. <laughs>